Uh, before I bring God's word to us tonight, I just want to say how thankful we are for Doug and Laura and their family. Um, we had the privilege of seeing the fruit of their ministry in our church in Louisville. We arrived about a year before they left to come here to Ras Al Khaimah, and we had them over for brunch, I think, uh, like a couple weeks before they came over, and we just realized, uh, why are we just getting to know each other now? We wish we could have a lot of time together. And then, as uh, Doug was mentioning, they were in Louisville, now we're here, and being able to sit under each other's preaching, we've been chatting today as well and saying we wish we could sit under each other's preaching as well. So just very grateful for you, brother, and uh, praying for you as you look forward to the ministry back in Louisville. Um, tonight's passage is uh, Jeremiah, well, it's just a verse for tonight, uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 8. That's, uh, you'll find it on the bulletin if you have the PDF, Jeremiah 31, verse 8. Um, as, you, as you turn to that verse in the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 8, I want you to imagine it's a Sunday morning and that there are two couples stuck on the top of Chebel Jais. So they don't have a car, but they want to come to church. It's a Sunday morning. They'd love to be here. And one of the couples, the husband is blind and his wife is eight months pregnant. The other couple, the husband is lame. He's unable to walk and his wife is in labor about to give birth. What are the chances of them making it to church? I'd say zero. And you're probably wondering why, right now, um, why would a woman in labor want to come to church in the first place? But that's not the point of this illustration. So the point of this illustration is that it would be impossible for those four adults and two unborn children to make the journey from the top of Chebel Jais all the way to Ras Al-Khaimah Evangelical Church. The husband can't see, another one can't walk. The women are both pregnant. One of them is about to give birth. They don't have a car. It's impossible. Unless someone goes to get them. Someone who is willing to drive the distance to assist the weak and to bring them back so that they can worship with the church. And that's what our verse tonight, in a similar sort of fashion, but on a much grander scale, is going to reveal to us about our great God who loves to gather his people. Um, Jeremiah 31, verse 8 uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 8, before we read it, I just want to give you a little bit of context so you know where we are. Jeremiah 31 is a chapter of restoration. So Jeremiah, most of it's about judgment, but this is a chapter of restoration. It opens with a stunning reminder of God's covenant love for his people, Israel. Uh, he says in verse, one, uh, verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And then later in verse 9, right after our verse, we'll look at uh, God says to his people, Israel, I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn son. But there's a problem. Because of Israel's rebellion against God, because of their sin, their idolatry, they had been separated from God. He had judged them and sent them out into exile, into captivity. They'd broken his covenants. But here in Jeremiah 31, despite Israel's rebellion, God is promising to restore them. He's promising to ransom his people, to gather them back out of exile, to make a new unbreakable covenant with them. And that's what we'll be looking at tonight in our verse. Jeremiah 31 verse 8 says this, Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman and she who is in labor, together, a great company, they shall return here. I think the main point of this verse is this, that God's redeeming love 
reaches far, reaches down, and gathers many. It's a glorious truth, isn't it? God's redeeming love reaches far, it reaches down, and it gathers many. We're just going to break it into those three parts. Number one, God's redeeming love reaches far. Look at the first two lines of our verse. Behold, I will bring them from the north country. I will gather them from the farthest parts of the earth. So the north country is referring to Babylon. Babylon was the place of exile, the people of Israel, when they were um, exiled out of Judah into Babylon. Uh, It's like slavery in Egypt 2.0. Only this time, instead of being south in Egypt in slavery, now they're north in the captivity in Babylon. So our verse is describing this great gathering, which is really like a second exodus, God redeeming his people, not out of Egypt, but out of Babylon, bringing them back into the land of promise, redemption, ransom. But notice the parallel line right after the north country. It says, gather them from where? The farthest parts of the earth. Here, God is heightening or increasing or expanding the distance. God promises to bring his scattered people back, not just from Babylon, but from the farthest parts of the earth. It's, it's like if we take our opening illustration about those couples and the top of Chapel Jais, it's as if God says, I'm coming to get you. But guess what? I'm not just getting you. I'm going to go all the way beyond Chapel Jais to Japan and beyond Japan to the farthest, remotest islands of the South Pacific. God's redeeming love reaches far. There is no one out of God's reach. Uh, Those in captivity at the time or those about to be exiled and then to be in exile, in captivity, I'm sure there must have been times of doubt. Does God, does God really love me? Does God care? Does he care? Our verse tonight is a reminder. It's God's response to those, those, those cries of doubt. God, do you love us? God says, yes, I love you. I love you. And he reaches his arms around the entire globe and says, I love you this much. There is no place on planet earth outside the reach of God's redeeming love. And notice the verbs in our verse, bring, gather. These are verbs of restoration, ransom, return from captivity. It's the exact opposite of being scattered. It's being gathered. It's being brought in. And notice who the main actor in our verse is. I, who is the I in our verse? It is the Lord, the sovereign creator and the redeemer of his people. He is the one gathering the redeemed. Gathering is his sovereign work of redemption. What is impossible for man is possible for God. There is no one out of the reach of God's sovereign love. Now, in history, we see a partial fulfillment of our verse in the 6th century BC when Israel and the exiles in Babylon did return to the land. But really, this verse is not just referring to that time. It's, it's referring to that, but it's pushing beyond that, kind of like a mountain range where you see greater and greater fulfillments to the time when Jesus would come as the Messiah. And as we heard this morning in Mark chapter 10, he would come to give his life as a ransom for, for many to gather in those who have been separated from God through their sin. So he is the one who is able to accomplish this great redemption on our behalf. He is the one that gathers the many and brings them, not just Israel, but beyond Israel to the farthest parts of the earth. Now, this was always God's plan from the beginning. 
God has always planned from the beginning to gather people for himself through Jesus, his son, his death, his resurrection from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. I'm not sure if you are here tonight and not a Christian, but if that's the case, I want you to recognize something that this verse is being fulfilled right now, that us gathering tonight and me preaching to you God's word is God's redeeming love reaching out to you right now. But if you are a Christian, I hope even now your mind is beginning to think about how God's redeeming love reached you. One of the most encouraging parts of our time in Russell Kaima this week has been talking to all of you, hearing your stories, hearing about how God's redeeming love has reached to so many people in so many different places, including Russell Kaima. Um, as I think about my own life and my own family, where did God's redeeming love first enter into my family in, in my history? I think of on my mom's side, my ancestors. So the first time the gospel and God's redeeming love reached them was um, when some Swedish teachers went to a tiny little island off the coast of Estonia in the Baltic Sea, and they brought the gospel. And that's how my great-grandfather was saved. And he immigrated to America. My mom heard the gospel. She was saved and so forth. Then on my dad's side, I think about how God's redeeming love reached into Canada to a, a, a poor farm family. Uh, my grandfather lived on this small farm. They had one cabin that they lived in. The cabin burned down to the ground. And so they needed some income to be able to rebuild their house. And so my grandfather's oldest brother had to go into the big city. And in the big city, he heard some music playing and it drew him to a corner of the street where a Salvation Army band was playing and he heard the gospel and God saved him. And God saved him and my grandfather's brother brought the gospel back to that farm in Canada and my grandfather was saved. Now, let's just think about my own story, God's redeeming love, how it reached me in Zimbabwe, Africa through the witness of my parents and my local church. And I'm so grateful for how God has reached to gather me into his people. So I want you to think again, how has God's redeeming love reached you? And I want you to do something even tonight, but certainly this week. Uh, tell someone, or better yet, ask someone. It will be so encouraging to you to just simply say, how did God's love reach you? Tell me your story. I'd love to hear. This will help increase gratitude in your heart, thankfulness. It'll also encourage you and motivate you to reach out to others with God's redeeming love. What would be so special is that even this week, we would pray, even as we've prayed together, that God would reach someone this week. Wouldn't it be amazing if next Sunday you gather and you have a report of yet another one that God has reached? So that's the first part of our verse, God's far-reaching, redeeming love. But look at the part two. God's love doesn't re just reach far, it also reaches down. So look at the next two lines in our verse. Among them, the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman and she who is in labor together. So at the very least, the blind and the lame have difficulty traveling. Um, but I think there's probably more to it than that. As we saw this morning, we looked at the blind beggar in Mark 10, and we saw that Bartimaeus really uh, represents so much more than just physical blindness, but a spiritual condition. And Jesus stooped down to raise him up and ransom him. Well, tonight's verse doesn't only include the blind, it also includes the lame, those unable to walk. Um, it's interesting as we look at the Old Testament, uh, there's this situation in Jerusalem before David the king conquers it. 
and he's trying to conquer the city. And the Jebusites who rule that city are trying to make fun of David. And so they're trying to think of the best insult they can throw at David. And so they say to David, the king, who's trying to conquer their city, they say, hey, you, you will not come in here, but the blind and the lame will ward you off. In other words, if you want to insult someone, you try to grab the weakest possible person you can think of to say they're going to ward you off. They're so weak. You're even weaker than that. The blind and the lame shows up as a word pair in the Bible as the epitome of weak. It's also a symbol of spiritual separation, judgment, symbolic of being separated from God. But again, a symbol of redemption and restoration as we read from Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 35 in our readings this morning is the eyes of the blind are opened and the lame man leaps like a deer. This morning we looked at the blind beggar. We also heard about the paralytic who was healed by Jesus. And then fast forward after Jesus' resurrection and death and think about blind and lame in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going to the temple to pray and there's a lame man. And in the name of Jesus, that man is healed and he leaps like a deer, praising God for his salvation. And then in Acts chapter 9, there's a zealous persecutor of the church. And this man is heading to Damascus to capture more Christians and he's struck blind But then he regains his sight when Ananias lays his hands on him. He's baptized and becomes the greatest missionary in the history of the church. We know him as the Apostle Paul. Isn't it amazing to see in our verse tonight how God is trying to look at this world, not just far, but also down and saying, I'm going down to the weak. I'm going to the lame, the blind. I'm going to lift them up. I'm going to raise them up. God's redeeming love reaches down to the weak, to the sinful, to those unable to help themselves. So a question we could ask ourselves as we look at our verse is this, are we willing to associate with the weak in this church? Think about someone in this church who is physically weak, someone who may be struggling with a chronic illness. What could you do this week to demonstrate God's love that reaches down? What could you do this week to encourage them as they struggle with that chronic illness? Or what about someone in this church who is a Christian, but weak in their faith? They're struggling. They're having a hard time in this road to heaven. Find someone in this church. Look for someone who needs help. Read the Bible with them. Spend time with them. Encourage them. Welcome them into your home. God's redeeming love reaches down. And it's interesting that Josh showed you a book about communion with God, with our triune God. Here's here's a tip. Here's a clue or a hint and how you can enjoy more communion with God. If you want to increase your capacity for communion with God, join God where he is found with the weak. God's love reaches down. But there's something strange in this verse that uh, caught me off guard. I was very surprised by this. He says, the blind and the lame, we see that mentioned many times in scripture, but who else is God reaching down to gather in? The pregnant woman and she who is in labor. Why is that there? Well, I think as with the distance, not just the North Country, but the farthest parts of the earth, we're also seeing God is reaching down, not just to the blind and the lame, but to the pregnant woman and she who's in labor. Now, I know the women may be thinking, am I more weak than a blind and a lame man? And I can speak not from personal experience. I've never been pregnant, but my wife has been. And we've traveled every time she's been pregnant, all three times, twice to Kenya, once to America while she was pregnant. And it's, it's not an enjoyable journey. It's more difficult. 
Um, she's a trooper. She's really good at traveling as best she can in that, in that capacity. And yet there is a weakness that comes with being pregnant. I'm glad she never went to labor on the plane. But if we think about this, if we think about pregnant women and the help they would need on a long journey, think about how God is not just reaching down to the pregnant woman, but think about who else in this verse is incredibly, incredibly weak. Who else? The unborn child in their wombs. God's love is reaching down, so far down, to those who have not yet been born, the weakest human being we can imagine. God's love reaches down. Friend, here's an application as we think about women and children in general, and maybe this church in particular. Friend, do you love, do you love women and do you love children? God clearly does. Husbands and fathers, are you tempted to think that your wife and your children are holding you back in life or slowing you down? God goes out of his way to love women and children and make sure that they are well cared for on the journey. God, husbands and fathers, and men in general, spiritual fathers as well, God cares more about you leading women, wives, and children in the gospel and godliness than he cares about you bringing a paycheck home. God's love reaches down. Men reach down to love the women and children in this church and help them. But I think there's more to the than the, uh, to the inclusion of women in this verse, more to it than just saying that they're weak. Um, God's love doesn't just reach down to the weak. God's love reaches down, down, down through generations. So as each generation puts their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's love is not just reaching far, it's also reaching down. Maybe you're the first Christian in your family. Wouldn't it be amazing for you to have children and be able to pass on the gospel, to teach them the gospel, to have them come to faith, and to see God's redeeming love reach down. But I want to lift up the women in this church. We've said pregnant women are weak, but I want to say mothers, spiritual mothers and biological mothers, both of you play a particularly important role in passing on the gospel to the next generation. So God uses mothers in amazing ways. Think about the way God used mothers in the life of Timothy, his mother and his grandmother. Before Timothy ever met the apostle Paul, he learned the scriptures and the gospel from his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. I'm not sure why it doesn't mention his dad. And maybe that should be encouragement to the men in this church and to me as well, to be doing the work of teaching the gospel. But here, Paul highlights how Timothy heard the gospel and the scriptures from his mother Eunice, his grandmother Lois. And so isn't it amazing that Timothy's training as a Christian began long before his pastoral internship with the Apostle Paul. It started with his mom and grandmother. Mothers in this church, spiritual mothers, singles, those unable to have biological children, whatever the case may be, recognize your important role in passing on the gospel to the next generation and see how God's redeeming love will reach down through you. And finally, lastly, the third part of this verse, God's love gathers many. Look at the last line in the verse. A great company, they shall return here. Now, a great company in our verse does not mean Microsoft or whatever company you may work for. Um, The great company means a very, very, very large group. 
Think of the nation of Israel coming out of Egypt. Balak, the king of Moab, when the nation of Israel is getting near his border, he says, behold, they cover the face of the earth. Think of what the apostle John in the book of Revelation, when he sees the new heavens and the new earth, think about what the apostle John saw in Revelation, a multitude that no one could count. It's also interesting that the word for company can be translated as assembly or congregation. It's the Old Testament equivalent of the New Testament word for church. So what is the church universal, but a great company of the redeemed across space and time? And then what is a local church like Russell Kaima Evangelical Church but the place where that great company becomes visible on earth. Look around this room tonight. This is a great company. Now, it is not great in the world's eyes, but this is a fraction of the multitude of the heavenly hosts that one day will be revealed when Christ returns. Love this local church. Love this church. And love other churches. Recognize that other churches are also part of that great company. Now, this local church might not look great in the world's eyes, but every Sunday, take the opportunity to look through this local church like a keyhole and see the vast multitude of the redeemed worshiping God in eternity. I promise you that that great company that we will one day see will put any football stadium to shame. As we close tonight, I wanted to think about a song that came to mind as I was looking at this verse. And I hope your hearts are stirred to sing this song in your, um, in your own life as well. And it's this. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. And we can because of God's redeeming love.